some time in Gatlinburg. An album of his greatest hits had been number one for weeks, 27 years after the guy died. But Elvis died of obesity, drug dependency, at the age of 42. His wife said Elvis never came to terms with who he was meant to be or what his purpose in life was. He thought he was here for a reason, but maybe it was even to preach or to serve in a special way, maybe just to care for people. So he would go on stage so that he would have would not have to think about it. See, Elvis did not have a clue where to begin to look for his sense of purpose. In a real sense, he was lost. So please take out the sermon notes that have been prepared for you. This morning we're going to look at God's purpose for your life. The theme for this message is shaped for serving God. Elvis felt like he was there for to do something, but just could not quite figure out what it was, his wife said. I don't want to make the same, I don't want any of you to make the same mistake. So what Paul says in Ephesians 2, verse 10. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Because God prepared in advance for us to do. Circle that word workmanship. You were made to make a contribution not just to consume. God made you to make a difference, to do good works. What matters is not how long you lived, but how you live. So in your notes, what matters is not the duration of your life, but rather the donation of your life. See, on this planet, nobody gets a free ride. We are meant to get, get something back. We are served, saved to serve, we are gifted to serve, we are shaped for service. That we are commanded by God to serve God. God made you unique. Your uniqueness is not for your own benefit, though. Look at 1 Peter 4, verse 10. Each of us should use whatever gift he has to receive, what, make a lot of money? Is that what it says? No. We're to use whatever gift God has given to us to what? To serve others. Your talents are not for your own benefits. It's not about you. So write this down in your notes. Your purpose in life is to serve God how? By serving others. You want to know why you're still alive? To serve God by serving others. That's why you're still alive. You were not just put here to take up space, to consume, to get a free ride. You were put here to serve God, and the way you serve God is by serving other people. Some people just want to serve God only. They don't want to serve other people, but it doesn't work that way. The only way you can actually serve God is by serving others. So the Bible says, as a word on this, in your notes, the Bible calls this simply ministry like worship, fellowship. The word ministry is a often misunderstood word. When I say the word minister, most people think about a pastor or a priest. They think of somebody who wears a collar, someone who talks like, God loves you, that kind of stuff. But the Bible says every single believer 
is a minister. Not every believer is a pastor, but every believer is a minister. Ministry simply means using my talents, my abilities, my gifts to help somebody else. So in the Bible, the word service and the word ministry are the same word. You might say, I'm not called to ministry, but you are. If you are called to follow Jesus, then you are called to serve. Now would you please turn to the person next to you or nearby and say out loud, you are a minister. Go ahead and do that. You are a minister. Thank you for cooperating. The good news is that God not only created you for service, he gave us a model. God came to this earth of himself. This is how you do it, he said. I want you to watch me. So he came to earth in the form of a man, Jesus Christ. He said, this is what I want you to do with your life. You were created to be like Christ. What did Jesus do? Look at Matthew 20, verse 28. Jesus said, your attitude should be like my own. For I did not come to be served, but to serve. Now listen to this next point. Your talents, your gifts, they determine your ministries. But in your notes, your attitude, your attitude determines your maturity. Your servant heart determines that maturity. A lot of people spend so much time searching for self-esteem in all the wrong places. You do not get your self-worth from your success or because there's always somebody going to be better, doing a better job than you are. You don't get your self-esteem from your status. You don't get your self-esteem from your salary. The Bible says you get your self-esteem from serving. Jesus teaches us to give our, our lives away. And that way we find it. So there are three ways to learn to serve like Jesus served. Number one in your notes, serving like Jesus means in your notes being available. It means simply being available. One day Jesus was walking down to Jericho. Some blind men started yelling at Jesus. Look at Matthew 20, verses 30 to 32. Two blind men shouted, Lord, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped. He called them. What do you want me to do for you? Circle that word, stop. Jesus stopped. If you want to be used by God, you want to serve God, then you must, in your notes, you must be, have a willingness to be interrupted. Most of Jesus' ministry, most of Jesus' miracles were simply interruptions. Think about it. All the people that Jesus healed, the blind man, the lame man, the sick person, the paralyzed, the dead child, all of them were interruptions. Jesus' first miracle interrupted a wedding in Cana in Galilee. His second miracle, interruption again on his way to Galilee. It says Jesus stopped kind of like a study of all the stops of Jesus in the New Testament. You got to go do a study on that. How many times Jesus simply stopped? Almost every miracle Jesus did, he did it because he let himself be interrupted. Servant-hearted people do not procrastinate. They are spontaneous. They are sensitive. They say, okay, let's do it. In fact, I kind of like John Wesley's model for his life. In your notes, he says, do all the good you can, by all the means you can, 
by all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times that you can, to all the people you can, and as long as you can. That's what it means to serve God. Just simply be available. You must be willing. What keeps us from being available? And you notice three very common barriers that keep us from serving other people. Number one in your notes, self-centeredness does. Look at Philippians 2 verse 4. Forget yourself long enough to what? To lend a helping hand. Whenever you see a need right in front of you, guess what? God is giving you the opportunity to practice serving, to learn to serve, to be like Jesus. So we must get too busy too often. We're so busy, we don't serve. I have my agenda, we say. I have my plans, my ambitions. We do not want to be disturbed. We have this self-centeredness that gets in the way. That's a barrier. Number two in your notes, the second barrier that keeps us from being used by God is perfectionism. That means wanting everything to be perfect first. That's when everything in my life is just right, when things settle down, then I'm going to serve. But look at Ecclesiastes 11, verse 4. If you want to wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. Anybody like to give a testimony of that one? People will say, you know, if you can't do it to first class, then don't do it even try. The Greek term for that is hogwash. Don't wait for perfect conditions. Start serving while things are not all settled down. The number three in your notes, the third barrier, is materialism. Yeah, materialism keeps us from being available to serve. Looking at Luke 16, verse 13, no servant can serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. Circle the word cannot because God says you should not. He says you cannot. You have got to decide whether you want to be rich or whether you want to be blessed. You must ask, what is my number one priority? And too often you get so busy taking care of things that you don't have time to take care of people. And that's a problem. So am I going to be a kingdom builder or am I going to be a wealth builder? Serving means being available. Number two, in your notes, serving like Jesus means being grateful. To serve Jesus, we have to serve gratefully. Grateful that we have the opportunity to serve. Jesus served in incredible ways. You know, his friend Lazarus had died. He went there. Some people thought he was there for a funeral. But Jesus had a different idea. He went there to do ministry. He went to raise Lazarus from the dead. So Jesus could have just walked by and prayed and said nothing more. But Jesus decided to pray the prayer out loud so that everyone could see what he was saying. We read about it in Luke John chapter 11. Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people that are standing here. Jesus said, I want them to know. I am grateful that you hear me. So Jesus said in your notes, an attitude of gratitude. That was his attitude in, for ministry. So why do we serve God? 
What do we have to be grateful for? What do we serve God not only out of a sense of duty, but with a sense of delight? Not out of a sense of obligation, but a sense of gratefulness. Because Jesus has given us eternal life through his suffering and death on the cross and through his resurrection. Look at Paul's words in, Luke, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. It is he who saved us and chose us for this holy work. Because, he, we de, because we deserve it, but not because we deserve it, but because that was his plan. Jesus suffered and died for us, uh, and out of gratefulness for that, out of that, what he has done, we now serve him by serving others. Now, there are two things that get in the way of our attitude of gratitude. And you notice, first of all, there's a barrier of comparing. When you start comparing yourself to others, that becomes a barrier. It gets in the way of being grateful. The second barrier is criticizing. Comparing and criticizing don't really make sense when you think about it. We're on the same team. We have the same goals. We're trying to make God look good to the world around us. And God has given us different abilities, different tasks, not for comparing, not for criticizing, but for serving him by serving others. So comparing and criticizing get in the way of being grateful. Number three in your notes, serving like Jesus means being faithful. And just being faithful. So what, what does that mean? It means that you don't give up. You keep going. You don't quit in the middle of your assignment. Look at John 17, verse 4. At the end of Jesus' ministry on earth, Jesus said, I have brought you glory. I brought glory on earth by completing the work that you have given me to do. Circle that word by completing the work. Because I want you to be able to say it like Jesus. When you get to heaven, you have completed the work that God gave you to do. Jesus was faithful in fulfilling his service. He didn't give up. He didn't give in. He was persistent. So if you're going to be like Jesus, you were created to be like Jesus, then it means you're going to serve to completion. And you know, it means that you're going to serve as long as you are alive. You may retire from a job, but you're never going to retire from ministry. You're never retiring from service as long as you live. God wants you to serve the rest of your life. Now, if you are learning to be a servant of God, you must learn the difference between what I call significant serving and prominent serving. They are not the same. On my body, my nose might be quite prominent, but I could lose my nose and still live the rest of my life. My nose is prominent, but not significant. On the other hand, if I lost my liver or I lost my heart, even though it may not be prominent, and you don't see it all the time, but if I lost it, I would be dead. That's significant. So a lot of people think that if something has been given a lot of visibility, then that must be most important. No, it's not true. The stuff behind the scene is often more important. God says that the parts of your body that you do not always see are more important than the parts that you do see. The same is true of the body of Christ, the church.
Several years ago, two teenage boys tried to come to church, a church service at night, but it was packed full. They could not find any seats available. So they just decided to turn around and to leave. But one usher said, come on guys, I will find you a seat. That usher personally escorted them down the aisle <coughs> and found them a seat in the front. And that night, both of those boys became Christians. And one of them was Billy Graham, who has now led millions of people to Christ. Do you think that usher was going to get any special credit in heaven for a small act of service? So you never know what a small act of service will do, though. Real servants do every task with equal dedication because they all matter. Don't mistake anonymous with insignificant. Let me give you a little quiz. Do you know who put your September epistle together? Do you know who ran off your worship guide for, and who assembled your bulletin today? Do you know the names of the choir who enhances our worship service in church? Do you know the cause of who calls our visitors who come to worship services each week? Do you know who mails out letters to prospects to receive from our telecare calling program? Do you know who is leading the Vacation Bible School next year? Do you know who cleaned the church before you got here today? All of them were done by anonymous volunteers, but they were all important. One day you're going to stand before God. He's going to say to you, what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with your talents, your abilities, your background, with the experiences I gave you, the education you received? Well, God, I was a little busy with my, my ambitions, with all my plans, making a living. I never got around to serving you. And God is going to say, wrong answer. What were you thinking? Do you think I put you on earth to serve and live for yourself? No, I put you here to serve me by serving others. You may think nobody was really watching. Nobody is noticing. Wrong again. God is watching. Look at Hebrews 6 verse 10 in your notes. We will not forget how hard you have worked for him, how you have shown your love to him by caring for other Christians. So I want God to be able to say about each of you, I have dedicated my life and when you, start, when you stand before God one day, that God's going to look into your eyes, and God's going to say to you, good job, well done. You did what I put you here to do on earth. You worshiped, you fellowshiped with other believers, you grew in your character to be like Christ. You served me the ways I have made you. So in conclusion, God is going to be able to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Or is your schedule too busy? Are you waiting for things to slow down? Do you have other priorities? See, on this earth they give rewards. They give rewards for 25 years of service. In heaven, you're going to get an eternal reward. Through your faith in Jesus, by his grace alone, you are justified. You read together with me Jesus' words in Matthew 25, verse 21, together out loud. Well done good and faithful servant. So you have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Amen.